You know, Jackie, kalokohan lang naman yung mga trustful na yun eh. Like, I don't believe that it does anything to help me feel better about my office mates. Well, yeah, that's warranted, I guess, based on your own experience. But there can be some activities like a trust fall where they would be meaningful and helpful to some teams. We've seen some of that. Kailangan mo ba ng mas makabuluhang chismisan sa pantry? Listen to more conversations about work, both hot takes and thoughtful takes with me, Carl Javier, and Jackie Caniza on The Imaginable Workplace. Check it out on Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts. On March 8th, motorists drove up to gas stations nationwide to see these on the signboard. Plus 5 pesos 85 cents per liter for diesel. Plus 3 pesos 60 cents for gasoline. And plus 4 pesos 10 cents for kerosene. This marks the 10th straight week of oil price hikes. And usually when oil companies adjust prices, it's more or less by just a peso or liter. So what's with the massive jump this week? And what can the government do about it? I'm Regina Lay, the news editor of Teca Teca. In this episode, we're going to dive a little bit into the economics of the oil crisis and why the solution to it isn't as clear-cut as some of the politicians would have you believe. However, I would like to emphasize that we do not expect this crisis to last very long. However, there may be some lingering effects. That was Finance Secretary Carlos Dominguez III, otherwise known as Sunny. He was speaking at a cabinet meeting this week, which was called to discuss emergency measures in light of 10 straight weeks of oil price hikes. It's not that Dominguez was trying to be callous. He recognizes that the country will see some fallout from the ongoing war in Ukraine. The Philippine economy will likely be collateral damage. It is as if we are hit by a ricocheting bullet. This big one-time price increase was driven by the United States banning Russian oil, part of its punishment for invading Ukraine. They've never gone that far with sanctions before. Now, the U.S. relies far less on Russian oil and gas than Europe does, but such a move will still have far-ranging consequences. For one thing, analysts from J.P. Morgan estimate that cutting Russia out of the global supply could push oil up to $185 a barrel. That would make it the highest ever. House Ways and Means Committee Chair Joey Salceda sounded the alarm about this in an interview on One News on March 8th. Eh, yeah. alas lahat po ng forecast ng JP Morgan, ng mga estratas, ito po yung mga consensus. Eh, bako umabot ng $185 yan. At ang presyo po ng diesel, bako umabot ng $136. Yung gasolina, $145. At yung kerosene, $129. So, kung may mga ganyan pong forecast na international, Eh, kailangan ko talaga na handa na rin po tayo para po mabawasan ang epekto nito. So Salceda wants President Duterte to declare a state of economic emergency. Doing so would allow local government units to tap into their calamity funds and use these to give subsidies to jeep and tricycle drivers, farmers, and fisherfolk. But Energy Secretary Alfonso Cusi, who hasn't been very visible since the war began, shot down the idea. I don't think it is necessary at this point. No, even when you declare an economic emergency, what do you do during the economic emergency? 
Diba? Ganun pa rin eh, what we were doing. Diba? Hindi, pa, hindi pa rin. So I, would say, I wouldn't say that it's uh, necessary at this point in time. There's also the question of if LGUs use up their calamity funds now, what happens in the rainy season when the typhoons hit? And we know from painful experience, they always do. There's also now a chorus of lawmakers calling for the suspension of fuel excise taxes. Because of the train law, it's sitting at 10 pesos per liter for gasoline and 6 pesos per liter for diesel. Last year, in October, the finance department already rejected the idea of suspending this. At that time, we were also suffering several weeks of oil price hikes, though the Russian invasion clearly hadn't happened yet. The DOF argued that we will lose more than 131 billion pesos in revenues if we do that, and that's money that's being used for healthcare services and COVID-19 response measures. One other thing you should know is that the country posted the highest budget deficit in history in 2021. And the bigger the deficit, the more the government has to borrow in order to fund basic programs. Here's Senator Sherwin Gachalian, chair of the Senate Energy Committee. It should be the last resort. Suspending the excise tax will uh, reduce government collections by 90 billion pesos. And that's a lot of uh, revenue taken out from our coffers. An immediate relief should be in the form of Pantawid Pasada, but it should be given now, Robbie, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. We should double the subsidy to our PUV drivers by, uh, it's been given a two. 2,000 per month per driver, which we doubled to at least 4,000 to 5,000 pesos per month per driver. And then finally, there's growing chatter about amending the oil deregulation law. Even the DOE is lobbying for it. This 24-year-old law removed government controls on the pricing, export, and import of petroleum products, basically allowing market forces to dictate the prices. But Congress is in recess, and even if they call a special session, what are the odds they will have time to amend it before a new administration is voted in? And secondly, longer term, economists say there are no guarantees that if the government takes back control, that they can run things better. The point being, for as long as the Philippines imports nearly all of its oil, we will remain susceptible to price shocks. In a press conference, Kusi was asked how many more rounds of price hikes he thinks we're in for. What we can say, it's not yet the last. Kaya nga, sabi natin, panawagan ko, the future of oil price is uncertain. For how long? This one, we don't know. No? So panawagan ko, let's conserve no? and use energy efficiently. Finance Secretary Sonny Dominguez could very well be wrong about how long the crisis in Europe lasts. But this is a guy who's been a cabinet secretary twice over before and has seen several crises in his lifetime. And that's exactly where he's coming from. We have seen similar crises in the past, such as the Gulf War in 1990, the Asian financial crisis in 1997, the oil price shock of 2008, and also the first Russia-Ukraine conflict in 2014. And we have weathered all of this crisis very well. We have experienced crises whose effects were more severe and direct to the economy, such as the Asian financial crisis in 1997 and the global financial crisis in 2008. This crisis lasted much longer, and yet we were able to get through them. 
And that was today's episode of Teka Teka. Again, I'm Regina Lay, the news editor. This episode was edited by Presh Capistrano and produced by Kat Ventura. If you found this episode meaningful, share it with a friend or tell us about the stories we should cover more of. And of course, follow Teka Teka and Puma Podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen. Thanks for listening. 